Ladies and gentlemen, this is your places call. All right, everybody, back to one. Standby lights one and sound one. Camera speeding. Audio speeding. Lights and sound. Go. And action. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Hi, 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 hi. <laughs> you are listening to Pretend Worlds Real People, the podcast where we interview arts workers of all kinds um, to learn about what they do, who they are, and just basically have a fun conversation. I'm Stephanie. <laughs> and I'm Tyler. Uh, we have a super awesome episode in store for you this week, as we always do, because they're all fun. Uh, but we also have a new Patreon member here, uh, now a member of my family. <laughs> my mom, Jennifer, has signed up for our uh, Patreon page, which Yay. means she is also given an awkward compliment. And it's one I've been wanting to give her for a while. Um, I will say that, Mom, first and foremost, I love you and thank you so much for your support. Uh, and I also wanted to say that just because you love crystal unicorn sculptures does not make you any less of a creative person than somebody who collects crystal dolphin sculptures they're both majestic they're all beautiful and they go well with any type of light so uh any of you out there who are big fans of crystallized animal sculptures you can join her facebook group um it's called the crystallized few they have about 60 members all throughout the the country and uh, i think maybe yugoslavia uh, but it's just, it's an amazing thing I wanted to share uh, with oh. you guys that my mom collects and uh, they're just, they're beautiful. I need to apartment. see that collection, man. That sounds great. <laughs> I mean, a lot of it's in storage now too. Oh, I mean, there's, there's a 600 pound, you know, life-size crystal unicorn. I don't know wow. where she got it. I'm guessing it's from, you know, an old man on the top of a mountain peak in the middle <laughs> of the, you know, the Himalayas or something, but it's, it, it has some sort of mystical powers too. Anyway, that is my awkward compliment. I love uh, it. Off the cuff. I didn't even prep that one. That was just I know, weird. it was a good one. <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, she it, doesn't disown you. <laughs> too late for that. <laughs> I, I, I despise sports and football, so uh, I yeah, lost that battle. Fair. But uh, Awesome. So, Steph, who, who do we have this week? Uh, this week, we have um, a friend of mine who I got to work with a couple summers ago at Lake Dillon Theater Company um, in Silverthorne, Colorado. And uh, she is a sound engineer and sound designer. Um, she is also a Steph, but with an F, not a PH. So, uh, you know, maybe we'll, we'll put a poll out there, which is better. Hint, it's me. <laughs> um, but please welcome to the show, Steph Sr. Steph, thanks for being on our show. Hello. Yeah, thanks for having me on your show. I'm, uh, can you please tell our listeners who you are and what you do? Sure, I can try. <laughs> <laughs> or at least what you used to do, not what you're doing now, because we just learned that that's terrible. But <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not my job. It's just a job. It's a job, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I am a sound designer and engineer. Um, I don't usually do both at the same time. I usually do one or the other. Um, so I do, I'm, I'm going to say sound and music for shows. I don't love composing. Like I don't, you know, I can make music happen if I have to, but I, I'm not the best at it, but just um, any, basically any sound, any music, anything that you hear in a show, whether it's, um, you know, just a straight play, or if it's a musical, that's also in my territory. If it's something reinforced, you know, if it's um, a show that I just did, um, at my last job in Chicago was called the steadfast tin soldier and it didn't have any dialogue, but it had a live band. So like, that's all. So anything sound related is in my field. 
So very cool. Do you prefer to do one over the other? I, it depends. It really, it really depends because, um, sometimes I really like sound designing, but I also really like mixing. And, mm-hmm. uh, I should say, I should, I should make the distinction that like, I really like sound designing and I really like mixing and I don't love engineering all the time. Mm-hmm. And the distinction that I make there is like mixing is like once everything's all set up. Right. And like, you're just behind the console pushing faders, like that's mm-hmm. musicals and things like that. I love that. Mm-hmm. But putting together sound systems sometimes <laughs> makes me want to cry. Um, and there were, there were, I used to work, I actually used to work at Looking Glass Theater Company in Chicago as their full-time sound supervisor. And there were so many days where I'd just be like, I hate my job. So yeah. I just hate this. I hate it. I was like, I'm trying. And it's also, some of that is because of the um, sort of trickiness of that building. Sure. It's a really, really cool building, but it, um, it's, uh, it's like an old, it used to be the water pumping station. Oh, um, yeah, and there's they 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 use part of it still like the city uses part of it. So Looking Glass rents it from the city, um, for like a dollar a year, <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, so they still use part of it as like water, like city water. And so we use the like unused part of it. It was converted into a theater in like 2003 or something. Mm-hmm. So all of so and that's like in 2003 they had money for like a brand new shiny fitted like here's all our audio patches and stuff but that was in 2003 and it's mm-hmm. been a while since then so mm-hmm. there's just yeah. a lot of um, intricacies to it so there were days where I was like I don't like this job yeah. I, it. I don't like this but <laughs> the short answer is no that I don't really prefer one over the other right. <laughs> how did the how'd you get into this part of the industry I I always found sound very interesting so I have to know what what lumped you in um college actually um so I bounced around professions Uh, I was going to be an actor for a long time like a long time like got my associate's degree with a focus in acting I was like and I was almost gonna not finish a bachelor's I was like very um at one point I was like, oh my God, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to move. I don't need a degree to do this, you know? Mm-hmm. And I had a conversation with a professor of mine. Cause I was like, okay, so let's pretend I was like getting ready to, you know, finish my associate's degree. And I was like, let's pretend let's just go down the rabbit hole of like, what's it look like if I want to start a career right now? Like maybe I don't finish college. And she was, you know, she kind of gave me a run. She'd been working in primarily film, but um, uh, you know, obviously theater as well. Mm-hmm. And it was just basically like, she gave me a whole rundown of it. She's like, well, you gotta do this. You gotta do that. You gotta do this. And she said the sort of thesis of this idea, which was um, the work of the job is trying to get the gig. Mm -hmm. And then when you get the gig, that's the vacation. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I hate that. I don't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, thanks. Um, So I decided I didn't want to do that anymore. And I bounced around and I was like, maybe I'll be a director. Maybe I will, you know, whatever. So I bounced around to everything and um, ultimately went to college to, for arts administration. So I was like, oh, maybe I want to run a business, but that business is going to be a theater. Mm -hmm. Um, And my, I was like literally looking to fill up credit hours. So my, my last two, like my last semester, I took two sound design classes because it was the only field I hadn't done. I like, I'd done costumes before I'd done sets. I'd done, you know, I'd never done anything with sound ever. So I talked to the professor and I was like, can I take these classes at the same time? Like, I know it's a one and two, but can I do both? And, you know, yeah. And basically the structure of it was like sound design one was like systems, you know, here's kind of how 
how sound works Mm -hmm. and then sound design two was you know composition and design Mm -hmm. and creation so they're very easy to take at the same time yeah 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 and I was like I would do my projects for sound design too and I was like I am awake creatively in a way I haven't been in years <laughs> like oh my god so I just fell in love with it and um but I was getting ready to graduate so I like didn't have any practical experience yeah and I was like what do I do what do I do I like talked to my professor like the week before graduating and I was like what, what do I what do I do how do I get experience in this and she's like I just go find work like I don't know just just do what you can try to find work see if people will hire you shadow whatever and that was kind of what I did so so everything's just been self a lot of it's been self-taught yeah um but yeah I kind of just fell into it so that's so cool would you say you were dependent on Craigslist when you were trying to start out you know looking for (laughs) that's a heavy heavy head shake Um, no, no, no. Cause this is a very male dominated industry. Mm. Uh, 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 yeah, I'm not doing no. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going back to your garage, dude, to help you put it. Yeah. No, thank you. I no, I I, like have already been creeped on by a guy. I was like, I literally just want to talk to you about your job. And he was like, but what if you wanted to talk about more things? And I was like, but I don't though. I don't at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) before I definitely want to talk to you about uh, uh, the battle of, of the sexes in a way later, because you have a lot of really great stuff to say about that. But before we do that, I do kind of want to ask, um, like, can you, for people who know nothing about sound, don't know, like, what does your day-to-day mean? Like, wh- like what does that mean that you're a sound engineer, that you're designing it? Like, what, is, what are the technical things? Yeah. Um, so design is, um, I mean, they're so rewinding, sorry to back up. They're very different like day to day. Right. 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 Um, and I have found a lot. So like where you might find like a, a lighting designer has also been elect- an electrician and right. like knows right. how to do, right. Knows how to do that. Usually a scenic designer knows how to build a set. Not always, but yeah. has an idea of how to build a set, kind of understands how construction goes together, knows enough to know how to talk to like a TV, you know, whatever. Right. Um, costume designers most of the time are they know how to sew. Like right. very few Hopefully. of them. Don't. Yes. <laughs> Not always the case with sound. Uh I found yeah. that a lot of times you're either and it is interesting. So I'm actually in this group name drop. I'm in this group um called uh the it's the Theatrical Sound Designers and Composers Association, TSTCA. Okay. Um, and they obviously are a group for, so it's not like a union, but it's sort of just like a group where we can all get together and talk about stuff and figure out how to do our jobs better. Um, and they allow engineers to, to join as well. And there is a divide. Like there's a huge, like there are people who are like, I don't ever want to design. I hate it. I never want to touch it. And there are designers Mm -hmm. who are like, I don't put me behind a console. Don't Mm -hmm. do it. Don't you even dare. (laughs) So, um, so I guess I preface that to say that like, they're very, very different jobs. Um, design now is a lot of, it's a lot of work behind a computer. Okay. It's a very intangible thing. Mm-hmm. Um, design presentations for sound, like are, nine times out of 10, you're lucky if you get one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, a lot of sound designers are like, there's going to be sound. I don't uh-huh. know. Uh-huh. Um, because it's very unlikely that early in the process that you're going to have um, you're going to have something to show, you know, a lot of the sound, I, like, I found that in my, the way that I work, and I know a lot of people in Chicago, um, who, like, sometimes, sometimes you don't get anything done until the designer run, Mm -hmm. so you're, like, 
two weeks away from tech or a week away from tech. Um, and a lot of work happens in tech. So it's very collaborative. It's very generative, but yeah, a lot of it's behind a computer. Um, it's a lot of, uh, there's, there's, I'm doing that mouth clicking thing that I hate. Um, (laughs) um, there are a lot of like software instruments, even if you're composing, you're composing on a computer most of the time. Um, you know, it's gathering sound effects. Sometimes it's, I have to record the sound effect, you know? Yeah. I'm curious about that. Like, um, I know a lot of sound designers I work with, you know, can pull sound effects either from stuff that they've used before, or are there specific, I I don't know, websites or Mm -hmm. programs that you can get that stuff from or like, and, and I would also question like, what's the balance between making your own sound effects and recording them versus I'm just going to search for it. I, I think it depends. Like there's yeah. also, there, there are, there are, it depends. I would say it depends on like availability and specificity. Sure. Um, there are sound design libraries that are available to That's one of the things you get from TSDCA is there. Um, Lindsay Jones is a, Lindsay Jones is one of our, I think founding members and, and board members. And we make the joke, we call it LJXmas because every day he posts in the Facebook group, there's like, he's like, here's a plugin, here's a sound design or here's a sound effects library or whatever. So um, there are plenty of libraries out there that have like the most obscure. I have a, I have a, I have a couple of sound libraries that are video game specific. So they have really weird, like there's one um, collection of sounds in there. That's just people like beating the shit out of different fruits. <laughs> make squishing sounds like um so there so you can totally source the sound like it's that's pretty much all out there if you can dream it you can probably have it but it like in the event that you need something I've done recordings when I needed something quickly Mm. or if I wanted to control the quality of it or if I needed something really specific Mm -hmm. like I did a show where Steph and I met at Lake Dillon um the first year that I was there and I needed a like a push a hand like a push door you know what I'm talking about like oh yeah yeah, yeah 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 I wanted that sound because it's supposed to be like in a gymnasium and I couldn't find it I like if I could find door creakings I could find handles I couldn't find it anywhere online so I just grabbed like my handheld recorder and I grabbed my apprentice and I was like Dan just walk through this door like a million times and I just you know <laughs> and I just got I just like followed him around and um or there was one that I, there was a show that I did in, in Seattle that I had to do a similar thing with because we needed um there was a scene there they were supposed to be like getting on and off the the light rail train and we needed to hear like the overhead announcement which is really you know it's like her voice is really specific and it has to have the station the you know stop in it and nobody has that so I just like sat on the train with my recorder under the speaker like <laughs> and you had a nice wide berth around you because nobody wanted to be near the weird girl on the train <laughs> no one was at Seattle no one, everybody was sitting in their seat no one was looking at me I was yep. like Oh my goodness, this weird. No, like, <laughs> I love it. I love it. They care, but they're not going to ask you about it. Like, yeah. You know? <laughs> All of a sudden, cops get on at the next tr- on the next stop, and they're like, "Excuse me, ma'am." No, <laughs> no one even said anything. So you you said you definitely don't like composing, right? It's not that I don't like it. It's just that I'm not very good at it. Like I I don't have enough music theory training or music mm. theory education to like success I like I grew my my like music education is primarily musicals <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> yep um and it's a lot of vocal music so I don't have a very wide sort of birth of music theory that I can draw from I can compose like the software instruments make it really easy they log like I work in logic and logic has like loops or they have you know so you can edit those or you can just use those as like a bed and then you're just like a few notes on the you know so yeah it's not my favorite thing to do yeah 
Do you have uh, I mean, even if it's your, if it's not your favorite thing, do you have a um, like a favorite composer that you you look after for inspiration for different you know other facets of uh, sound creation, or is it really just like, yeah, I got it. You know, I'll, I'll stand on a train and you know record something. Maybe I'll hear another noise, or you know, I just I, I like the creative aspect of it. So, uh, where am I going with this? This is how are you? Are you in, how are you inspired when you do your sound design? Yes. I think where do you find your inspiration? Yeah, mm, yeah. coffee's so bad well, right now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, knowing, well, and that's the thing, right? Like knowing that I'm not, um, a strong composer and I will say also like Chicago, especially is like this, I think this is, this is a thing that's sort of happening across the industry, but I know it happens a lot in Chicago where, where sound designers are expected to compose Mm. and theaters like it because if you, they don't have to pay for music, if they're using original music, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, the thing that they don't understand yet is they have to pay for composers. Yep. (laughs) So even if your sound designer is composing, you should still pay them twice. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, one of my many TED talks I can give on this subject, but yeah, so because, because, um, because I don't think like, I just, my composing is not like in my, my strong wheelhouse. I don't come at shows from that angle. Mm. Like I know some other, I know other designers that like, so they look at it and they're like, okay, what's the score? Like, what is the whole show? What does the music do from top to bottom? And I just, I don't, I just can't look at a show like that because I don't, you know, I just, I like. I can't compose two hours of music. It's not going to happen. There's no way it's going to happen, you know? So I, um, so my approach to it is a little different and, and my basically like, I sort of think of it like, um, costume design a little bit where like costumes, the costume design is like anything that is, is, or is not worn. Right. Mm -hmm, So nudity mm -hmm. is a like, if your choice is like, everybody's going to be naked, that's the costume design. Mm -hmm. And I think about sound in a similar way. Like sound is any, anything that like sound and silence are part of the design. So when I do like a script scan, like if I'm reading my script, you know, you read it once just to get an idea of the show and then you go back through it and you go, okay, where can I put sound here? And I will, I'll start with like kind of overmarking it. Like, where can I put sound? This could be sound. This could be sound. This could be sound. Right. And then you kind of go to the, once, you know, once I sort of see it on its feet, that's a place where I can sort of solidify like, oh no, this, this needs to be silence or this needs sound. I thought this needed sound and it doesn't, or this transition's a lot longer than I thought it was. So maybe it needs a music cue, not a, just an effects cue or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that answer, I don't know what the question, I, I think that answered a question. Yeah. There was, there was a question in there and, and you did answer an answer. whatever question that was. <laughs> right. So well, we no, that's all get really 100%. Fascinating. Yeah, it's fascinating to hear that because I've actually never really asked a sound designer how they kind of go through and, um, but that makes a lot of sense. Totally. Um, do you feel like you have certain cues, sounds, whatever that you like kind of fall back on that you really like to use regularly or is it really dependent on the show? It's usually pretty dependent on the show. I think that there's a sound world that I live in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like, I think I live in a world. Well, I should, I shouldn't even say that because that's evolving too. I used to live in a very synthy world, or like mm-hmm. a very sort of textural but not very structured world. Mm-hmm. But it really kind of depends on the show because I, I, I did a show. I think one of the last shows I designed actually before I had a full time theater job where I couldn't design very much, um, was at a show called at a theater called Lifeline in Chicago and that was a show that I had had that job since before I left for Lake Dillon that year. So the show didn't open until like September and I'd had the job since May. 
and I had to go to like production meetings and they're like light sound and everybody's coming with these visuals and I was like I don't know I don't know what it's gonna sound like (laughs) um and I finally got to see a designer run and a a friend of mine was playing the lead character so I kind of knew I was gonna get some good stuff out of him and he shaped like his performance of the character shaped the sound like I just couldn't Mm. you know I was like it was a period piece I was like okay we gotta go kind of in this direction because it's a period piece but it's got a modern feel so we don't have to be that stringent about it and and I watched it and I was like, oh, it's pizzicato strings. You know, it's plucky violin. Yeah, that's what yeah. we're, that's the sound. That's what it sounds like. And then it's like that, that's the sound. And then the other part of the sound was like, um, like clock chimes, like tubular bells. Oh. So there were like two sound beds that were sort of fighting. And that was, I had to find this one to like make the whole thing work. And that was the through line, you know, and sometimes that happens. Sometimes you're just like, oh, that's what the show sounds like. I got it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> So, Do you, have you ever butt heads with a director over what you imagine this a show to sound like versus what they want? And if so, how do you kind of uh, what's the right word? Collaborate better. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's. Uh, I'm trying to think of like. I I don't know that I've ever completely disagreed with a director. Mm-hmm. There was like one show that I did where this director wanted this thing because he thought the joke would be funny and I didn't think the joke was funny. And I was like, I want it to be something. I want a different song. And he was like, no, it has to be this. I was like, all right, fine. And it was funny and it was fine. Mm-hmm. But like, that was one of those cases where I was like, I don't think this is funny, but I'm just going to do what you're asking mm-hmm. me for. Mm-hmm. Um, and it worked and it was fine. Right. But um, I think it's, so sometimes it's like, I guess I don't, I don't know that I've had a, like a friction based kind mm-hmm. of like haven't like I've never had to like fight somebody to get mm-hmm. something but sometimes like what the sort of best interactions I've had were times when I said okay here's what I feel like this sounds like and a director says I hear where you're going but can it be more of this mm-hmm. um and that is where like having worked in a bunch of different departments and also having worked in like customer service believe it or not mm-hmm. really 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 helps with those conversations because it helps me very quickly because I was like I was a supervisor at Starbucks for a long time and I spent a lot of time learning how to communicate with like each individual barista Mm -hmm. so that I could um so that I you know so like when I was talking to them I knew exactly what to say and how to say it to get what I needed from them right and that has helped me a lot as a designer because you know sometimes you have directors who are like real tech savvy and they know what's going on and they are they have the they have the language they need to talk to you and some directors are like I don't fucking know just make it make sound (laughs) (laughs) but sometimes you have a director who's like I just don't like it it's not right and you Uh have to sort of dig down to like you know what is not right about this right and you you can't start with jargon you can't say well is it too you know is the is it too much high end is it too much right like I don't know (laughs) so you have to like kind of dig so it's that's those my, my most successful like interactions with directors to sort of answer the opposite of the question is when directors can when we can when we find a language that works so that we yeah. want where it's like I need it to be more you know mechanical mm-hmm. or I need it to be more you know can we have more bass here can we have more you know something about this just feels too fluffy or whatever mm-hmm. like figuring out what all those words mean so uh as far as you know going on with collaboration do you also partner up with the 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 playwrights as well going over I, i'm not sure how because i'm not in the the theater 
part of the industry. So all these questions are coming from strictly film. Uh, but when you're working on a production like that, does the writer come in and have any say as far as, hey, you know, uh, maybe they want to come to you for help with uh, a certain sound that may not make sense for their own narrative piece as well outside of the overall direction? Has that ever happened before? Is that any, is that something that's kind of common or? I, I, not really. Okay. Um, I, uh, for with the original shows that I have worked on where they were like where we had access because you don't sometimes you don't have access to the playwright mm. right like sometimes you're doing Thornton Wilder who is dead like you know, <laughs> like sometimes you have to do Shakespeare and he's not available right. I just realized how stupid that came off as. <laughs> no, it's, it's not, it's, I mean it's contemporary not a, writers <laughs> it's not a it's not actually the worst question in the world though because um I honestly I was with you Tyler I was like oh that's I didn't really think about it either. So thanks, Steph. No, thanks it's totally here. fine. Oh. Actually, because I do think it's a good question. So that's why I say, like, when you yeah. have access to the playwright. Yeah, yeah. Um, even for contemporary plays, though, like sometimes you have, like, it's a living playwright who you can call, but they just right. are not available because they're not available for whatever right. reason. So it's so when you have like a local playwright or a playwright who's available to you, um, it it can depend. Some the playwrights that I've worked with, like that I've been able to, you know, they're in the room, they're saying like they will kind of they they just filter everything through the director. Like the good, like I think mm -hmm. a good playwright will. Like mm -hmm. even if, if they're like, I don't like this thing or I want this to be mm -hmm. different, they'll go to the director and the director will give you the language to change it. But there are um I think uh sound gets a bad rap for a lot of reasons. And one of those things is I think some playwrights, and I'm I I don't want to, I don't want to start any fights with anybody. But I, <laughs> something new. I'm trying something new. I don't want to clearly. <laughs> so I was like, who is this? Who are you? <laughs> um, but not to, so in the, at the risk of ruffling feathers, like there are playwrights who are either like lazy or they just are, maybe don't know. Like some playwrights will write sounds into They'll write sound effects into the play. And some of it is just like, it needs to be a sound effect. Like the phone rings, oh, right? Yeah. But some sound, sometimes a playwright will write sound into a play because they don't know how to like narratively bridge a gap. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like they'll be like, oh, and it's this dream transition thing. And it means, or like whatever. Like they'll write something into the play that doesn't make sense because they're trying to get tech to do their work for them. Mm -hmm. So I haven't encountered that yet. I don't think if I did, I blocked it out. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. That's awesome. Um, let's go to the flip side of the coin and talk about being the engineer uh, side of things and what mm -hmm. that entails versus design. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of, so that's, that's where, where, where design is software. Mm -hmm. engineering is hardware right mm -hmm. sort of short answer um but engineering is like the middle step of like so you're you know you're doing a musical um or even a play it doesn't really matter it doesn't matter what show you're doing but you're doing a show and you're the engineer and um the designer part of the designer's job which like I don't do a lot because I work in storefronts and with smaller um I work in smaller theaters that usually have just like what they have right. so they don't have like a shop available to them like a broadway show might um or you know you're working in proscenium theaters that don't ever change their 
configuration so they never do change the grid you know part of what you're supposed to do as a designer is is uh create speaker plots so you know in much in the same way that lighting designers create lighting plots right where do all the lights go we need to be able to see everybody same thing we need to be able to hear whatever we need to hear um if it's a play maybe we just need to hear special effects so we really just need to have a little bit of overhead and some specials in certain places if it's a musical we ought to be able to hear everything right so yeah, so your part of the design work is doing a speaker plot, and then you give the speaker plot to the engineer. Um, and depending on the size of your theater, you know there will be like a sound, like a usually a sound supervisor. This might this will be one person. They may have a department of them. They may have a department of them and an assistant and a mixer and a you know like a house engineer, like whatever. So it just depends on the size of the theater and how much they can afford. But um, yeah, engineering is basically get back to the point stuff engineering mm -hmm. is is yeah anything hardware anything from it's the it's the sound system if it's a musical or if there's microphones needed it's it's microphones so like you know the does usually you'll give the designer like an inventory list they'll decide what gear is best and then your job is to prep the inventory right you gotta hang things where it's supposed to go make sure it's all the focus at the right angle you know make sure everybody has a mic who needs one um usually the engineer programs the console so very few theaters are working on analog consoles anymore so you can program they're working on digital consoles that are programmable which mm -hmm. is nice um so the engineer will do that um i think you like i've always mixed my own shows that i've engineered i don't know that it's i think it's i think that is the case everywhere i think there's a few other steps for like broadway i don't know a ton about broadway yeah so. i was gonna i was gonna ask i was just it reminds me of the one broadway show i did where we had the a1 who was the mixer and our a2 backstage to help with mike packs and whatever but like whoever engineered the show wasn't really there anymore because yeah. you know but and that's a little different for tours and if there's yeah. people listening i'm sorry i know nothing um please <laughs> correct me. yeah um you have my probably some of them have my phone number um <laughs> tsdca is a wild group oh, it's i love it um but yeah so yeah so it's it, like like if there if the like ha, like if the space has an engineer that person is probably doing the install but they're not mixing the show right and like touring is a little different because like yeah the a1 kind of has to supervise the there's a how there will be a house engineer there but the a1 has to be there to super it's weird so anyway yeah anything hardware basically anything hardware that makes noise whether or not it's supposed to. <laughs> and it's also your responsibility then to do any troubleshooting, correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that would be, so yes, I'm going to speak from my experience and not try to talk about jobs I haven't done, but like there you go. in my capacities, yeah. <laughs> in my, like in, in the work that I've done where I'm the sound supervisor and the A1, yeah, I have to do all the troubleshooting, you know, something breaks I have to replace it something's not working the way it's supposed to I have to figure out how to make it work the way it's supposed to or at least work well enough you know and sometimes that's like hardware sometimes that's like eh, solder this connection back together mm -hmm. it'll be fine and sometimes that's like <laughs> you know we have to re-coordinate all of the RF frequencies because somebody turned something on they weren't supposed to or whatever so <laughs> or it's just pure black magic versus white magic and <laughs> Most of sound design is just wizardry. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there are other sound designers and engineers who could explain it to me in excruciating detail, but there's a certain point where I'm like, I know how to get to this point. And mm -hmm. after that, it's up mm -hmm. to the Lord. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. Yeah. Yeah. 
is this something you want to uh you want to pursue you know for the years to come well once covid ceases or is under better control uh or is there something else you'd like to do in the similar department you know to to stick around sound i i i mean theater's a have to for me yeah like i know people who are like i don't even know if i want to come back after covid i'm like bye like i will Mm -hmm. be there Mm -hmm. you know and um I, yeah, theaters for sure have to, I, I don't know if I'll stick with sound. I like it for now. I, you know, and I think it's, um, I think depending on where you want to go, there are places where you can design and engineer, but a lot of times you got to pick one and I like Mm -hmm. both. So Mm -hmm. it's difficult for me right now to be like, oh yeah, I want to be a designer forever. Um, and you never win a Tony award because they'll take it away again. (laughs) (laughs) That's how fucking disrespected we are because we lost the fucking you know who won the sound design award the year the hamilton won all the tonys no one yeah no one because there wasn't one that's how recently this happened really yeah i don't want to look every like (laughs) listen we've got a big list of steph's uh uh soapboxes so let's don't even just start start you might as well just start on one of them it's (laughs) a good thing we don't have video for this podcast because there is a list in red ink on the wall right behind her yeah right i'm not sure who's on it but (laughs) the kill list yeah yeah (laughs) it's a fucking it's a it's a book at this point yeah (laughs) it's the biden inaugural bible of just shit (laughs) (laughs) yeah anyway but yeah so I, yeah, I I will be doing theater in some capacity. I might, I don't know. I could age into all the parts that I want to play and start acting again. I don't know, but yeah, I'll be doing theater in some capacity, but. What, what, what age would you, would you like to, if you were to go back in? old witch age. Oh, that's perfect. Mrs. Lovett, Into the Woods Witch, Mama Rose, like 45 and up. Yes. Love that. (laughs) goals my voice will drop again by then i will have consumed enough whiskey to keep many distilleries in business so it'll just be like just all laura i love it it will just fully settle into my chest like (laughs) steph's killing it in the rehearsal but did you see her in the sound booth she's just like tinker around with stuff and it sounds so much better i don't know Uh where she's from I'll that, be, I, I will become one of those old people. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I will don't like worry. you're in a show and you're like, I don't like the way this sounds. I Can I <laughs> yep. saunter up to the back in full costume? Just, just, of... lean, just lean over the desk, like, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> that actually the... brings up a, a fun question for me. Uh, I'm gonna try not to poke at wounds, but I'm gonna poke <laughs> a little bit. Um, how do you handle people who are less understanding of how sound works in terms and you know actors whoever um that like think that this is it's okay to wear their mics a certain way or it's okay to you know do this or that or they can't hear this thing and you know you try to explain you know like what is that like um i don't want to give away too many secrets but i'm going to (laughs) we can censor this but yeah I'll cover up names and (laughs) no, I, well, I, but I, what I was going to say is actually that, um, sometimes that that's a, that's a complaint you'll hear a lot. I can't Mm -hmm. hear this. I need Mm -hmm. to hear the sound effect. I can't hear it. I can't hear, I can't hear, I can't hear. And an alarming amount of sound is what people think they can hear, Mm -hmm. not what they're actually hearing. So there's sort of an in joke with like people who work in sound where it's like, you know, 
when you have a director who says, I need you to turn that up by one dB, you're like, bye. Mm -hmm. You can go fuck yourself. Mm -hmm. One dB is a useless measurement. It means nothing to me. It means nothing to you. Like I will turn this up by one dB and that's not going to change anything. Mm -hmm. Like what you mean is you want it to, that's actually like, that is probably, that's probably, I would say that's probably like the biggest like director note you have to contend with when the director says, I want it to be louder. Very, very rarely do they actually want it to be louder. Yeah. What they mean is it's too muddy or, you know, mm-hmm. so I need, you know, like this voiceover, I can't really hear the voice. I need more. I need you to bring out the higher end of this or like, I want to hear this particular thing. But what they say is I need this to be louder mm-hmm. because they don't have the language, you know, vocabulary they need to have. Yeah. That's fine. They don't have to. But, um, but yeah, sometimes when somebody's like, oh, I can't hear this. Like I need to be louder. You're like, how's that? They're like, it's great. You're like, I changed something. <laughs> like you just hover over the console a little yeah. bit. <laughs> <laughs> you go into Q Lab, you actually change it one dB, and they're like, "It sounds great," and you're like, "That did yeah. nothing." Yeah, I changed nothing. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, hilarious. So that's yeah. So a lot of it is what people think they can hear, um, or you know, and the same thing is true. Like if you're doing a musical and you have actors who are like, "I can't hear myself in the monitor," mm-hmm. and you know, maybe it's because the monitor is low, or like you're like, "I can't put anything more in here." Like you know, you know what you're capable of, and you're like, "Well, I can't put anything more in here," so you you know. Or like you put their voice somewhere else. Like what they what they actually want is they want it closer to this side or you know whatever. Mm-hmm. Like like you kind of have to, especially on that on the musical engineering side of things, you have to be able to kind of make those adjustments on the fly. Um, but it kind it also it just depends. It really depends on on how much an actor thinks they know, or how much they're willing to give you you know there is a certain Mm -hmm. amount of emotional energy that I Mm -hmm. you know I will cap the emotional energy I'm spending like if I have to keep fighting with somebody I'm gonna stop fighting with them at a certain point and just sort of let them sound terrible (laughs) knowing that it will still be my fault if they sound terrible Mm -hmm. um but you know yeah it depends like sometimes sometimes it's sometimes actors really want to know sometimes actors want to know because they've never thought about it before Mm -hmm. and sometimes actors want to know because they're interested and they are trying to be more engaged with the design team and be more engaged with their craft you know somebody's grown up doing musicals and they go god I've never really thought about microphones I just know that I have to wear them Mm -hmm. you know um so yeah it, it sort of some of it depends on the approach some of it depends on whether they're actually asking or they're trying to prove to you that they know, they know what your job is, you know? Right. Right. Is uh, anything, I guess, similar to like critic screenings or early screenings, does that do anything to the, uh, to the design team after like a preliminary show where someone oh, comes preview. in and watches it? Exactly. Yeah. Like a preview. <laughs> um, sorry. Like, I'm using, <laughs> I'm using yeah. film terms. Oh. <laughs> That's kind of what I figured that was. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. So when someone that. goes in early but doesn't actually like pay for the ticket, do they affect <laughs> the uh the the show at all? Um if they don't understand what was happening with the sounds? That's my question. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> We're getting oh. you coffee before the next the next round of this. <laughs> right. I was like, you gotta do another one of these today, guy. You can't lose it now. <laughs> um okay so your question is like does the preview affect yeah so um uh, i guess when it comes to uh you know even something like a short film you show it to somebody they watch it they take their notes or you know whatever they have they give it back to you and now does 
the theater take that and say, oh, well, this one person mentioned that, you know, maybe the sound is quote unquote too muddled or too low on this one side. Are you taking that and putting it into future shows, like taking that under consideration or are you just kind of skimming it over, I guess, depending on the production? it's another one that it kind of depends most of the time if it's like I'm not we're not designing for one person we're designing Mm -hmm. for the room okay good (laughs) most of the time it's like oh great here's the other thing okay so the other thing is that um uh sound is weirdly one of those departments that everybody thinks they know everything Mm -hmm. about and they actually know nothing about so it's also one of those departments that everybody, so here's the thing, right? We have all seen, I'm assuming, like a lot, uh, we've all seen a show where, or concert or whatever, where somebody just fucks off, they're blocking and they're not in the light, mm-hmm. right? We've all seen that. Mm-hmm. We've all seen that. Nobody blames the lighting designer for that being wrong. Or like very mm-hmm. few people, very few people will go up to the light board op and be like, um, this person's in the dark. Can you fix that? Mm-hmm. Because they know, right? It's set already the lighting the light board up the board up can't do shit about that (laughs) right but if they see somebody sitting behind a console you know and 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 you know oh well i can't hear this person they'll come up to the person at the console if they have access to them that's one of the things i liked about like dylan is like yeah in terms of mixing like you want to be in a good position to hear what you actually need to hear but the console like this the console like dylan is up on a ledge that is not audience accessible so they can't come up to me and tell me how to do my job yeah which is actually nice um but yeah people so usually you're at the back of the house it's called front of house it doesn't make any sense but you're at the back of the house with your console and people will come up to you because there's no reason they can't and they'll be like well I don't like the way you're doing this Mm -hmm. and you're like that's great you're 75 years old and have a hearing aid so I'm not gonna take much from you if I wanted (laughs) feedback I'd let you mix the show Uh, (laughs) my favorite cue to cue cue to cue comics um yeah so like but it can it like like previews audiences affect um like mixed notes Mm -hmm. so you're you're doing tech and you're rehearsing like a musical and you're mixing at a certain level and a good sound designer might be able to say you know like and there's a level there's levels that you mix that usually like dialogue is at about negative 10 um singing is negative five or like other way around saying is a negative 10 dialogue like you're basically basically what i'm saying is that you are mixing within about a 10 db range so you're at negative 10 to negative to to zero to and db is decibel correct just so yes. for anybody who's like i don't even know what that is just hey i'm just <laughs> trying to help out yeah, the friends no, totally. <laughs> um i wish i could show you on a console but basically you're at zero which mm-hmm. is also called unity mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of in the middle if you if you are looking at like you know your fader and it's kind of in the middle and like anyway so but you basically you have a pretty you've you've got a good range that you mix within and you know in an empty house you might mix to you might mix a little lower because there's just more things for it to bounce off of um and a sound an experienced sound designer might come to you and say hey you know you can push this don't be afraid to push this remember there's going to be people in here and coats and things like that um or what have you so mixed notes can for sure change um i've seen level notes change for similar things like that where like it something will be loud and that's levels like for sound effects that's like sort of what's pre-programmed but i've seen that change a little bit um sometimes it'll sometimes it can affect the design but like yeah the like it's very rare that like if one patron is like i didn't like I thought it was too loud. I'll be like, that's mm-hmm. delightful. Have a nice night. Mm-hmm. But, you know, 
but sometimes if the feedback is like, hey, I, like I had a like if, if audience feedback is like, I had a really hard time hearing that song, then that's important for us because it's like that means that we're mixing, you know, there's something up where like the vocals aren't coming out the way we want them to, or you know, right. And in Broadway shows, you know, previews are where music numbers live or die. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, I know it's so funny as a stage manager, it's always hard for me to give, try to try to pay enough attention during a show to like notice sound stuff. And I very rarely try to give sound notes because I'm like, they know better what they're listening to than I do. But if I something sounds really off, I might yeah. be like, hey. hey what I don't, I actually but other don't than mind, that, yeah. Yeah, I don't mind. Um, I don't mind having questions asked, you know, especially mm-hmm. from like the stage manager, like whatever, or somebody who also listens to the show every night. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, Hey, I, I, that sounded weird. Or like, did this, this was this person late? Or did you miss like, like I couldn't hear this line and I normally hear this line or whatever. And it's, you know, and sometimes the answer is, Oh yeah, I just missed a pickup. And sometimes right. the answer is they weren't there. And so, you know, yep. or whatever. And um, so, and yeah, and like in, I, yeah, I don't mind having those conversations, but like, in in show like when it comes down to like if we're in a run I like I, I have you know when it's you know when I was working at like Dylan and it was like just me and an apprentice so like I'm the A1 they're the A2 also learning how to do my job it's very confusing and scary like <laughs> yeah. um, but effectively they're the A2 and the conversation that I have in smaller situations like that is so like you're my A2 you're going to take notes from me. Something happens at a performance. You don't have to listen to the stage manager. You mm-hmm. listen to me. Mm-hmm. If the stage manager asks you to do something that is sound related, like actually mm-hmm. if they ask you to do something that's not related to your job, you can tell them goodbye mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck right <laughs> off. Um, and if they ask you to do something sound related, you can make like, you can wait for that to come from me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that we had an incident with that my first year, like Dylan, where the, like, it was a whole, it was a thing where somebody said something out loud like I, I couldn't, I was in the middle of mixing. I needed both hands. I couldn't pick up the, the handset and the stage manager said something out loud, um, on com and the apprentice jumped into action and panicked and was like, Oh my God, we need to do this. And went to my A2 and said, you need to, you need to fix this. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know it had happened until my A2 who got me on the phone and said, Hey, I fixed this. And I was like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I made the mistake. I will say I made the mistake of, I chewed out the stage manager and apprentice during the performance mm. like at intermission in the green room in front mm-hmm. of everybody I chewed her out and that was on me I shouldn't have done that but I was so angry and like I was so so mad and then mm-hmm. my apprentice and I had a conversation the next day where I was like he and he was so sweet he was like I'm so sorry I was like time out don't apologize to me yeah <laughs> apology not accepted you're a delight you were delightful you did your job <laughs> here's the thing you did don't ever apologize to me for doing your job um and it was great too, because I was like, if I had needed that done, I literally didn't even know that it happened. Right. That's how fucking seamless it was. So I was like, right. if that had been something I had told you to do, it would have been like perfectly executed. That was the gold medal of like switching out labs. Like, mm-hmm. but you know, and so, yeah. So like, that's the, that's the thing. Like, I don't mind getting notes, but like, the, like I don't, I've usually worked in, in, in sort of small enough venues that like, I don't, I don't have to. <laughs> I don't want to say have to, but like, I kind of operate, I'm like a free agent, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind yeah. of off yeah. on my own thing. Like I don't, I set my own calls usually like, because it's, it's just like being the A1 is such a weird role sometimes because like, there's like the stage manager calls the crew and the, or the stage managers are like the stage management team sort of makes that schedule. Mm-hmm. And like, we can't really follow crew calls because the crew has to do 
they're called so they can do this amount of setup, but like we need to do this kind of setup and like we need to usually be there before that, you know? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we do, yeah, the sound department, especially for musicals kind of operates on its own. Right. On its own wavelength. Like. <laughs> now with that being said, do you have, I'm going to skip to one of our latter questions because I think we're in the right mm-hmm. mindset. Do you have a, a best or worst experience in your position that you could share with us? Like a best or worst story or both? Um, I have many. (laughs) It's so funny because I usually like I usually block out, um, usually block out the bad stuff. To be honest with you, because I love doing this job. I will say, like, uh, um, Lake Dylan, because they do musicals, is where I have done. I'm name dropping them, and I hope they don't hate me too much. Um, I hope I'm saying like nice things. I don't want them to like come after me. But like, so like, like Dylan, uh, I've worked there, I worked there two summers in a row and they do musicals. So I get to mix a lot. And, um, which of course I love doing. So there's like a good experience there and a bad experience there. Um, in terms of like the engineering end of things. Um, the good experience that I had was, um, sometimes like, I think for me, because I'm self-taught and because I am relatively, relatively new um, because I didn't do any of this stuff in college and what have you, I, I often get into the space where I'm like, I'm not good enough. I don't know how to do my job. <laughs> and just mm-hmm. the, the, like, imposter, imposter syndrome, yep. shame spiral of I'm terrible at everything. Um, and especially because I also know that like engineering is, you know, a place where I need growth and, um, also something that I just don't enjoy doing all the time so when I'm engineering the show that I'm also mixing you know I've like just installed the sound system we've got it all up and running and like then I have to go mix it and by the time I get behind the console to mix it I'm like I'm already tired I'm tear I I messed everything up the designer had to come fix it like this is my first year like Dylan I got nothing done it was like a mess I was like teching another show I had to have my assistant try to do I got my drawing super late. So I had to have my apprentice try to hang things. And he was like a film person and didn't, it was a mess. It was a total mess. So I've coming off of that. I'm like, I'm terrible. This, this designer hates me. Like, this is going to be a nightmare. And then we have to go right into tech. And this designer um, had, was, so his experience was that he was used to um, designing his own show. He would, he would mix the shows he designed. So like he would design mm. musicals and then be his own mixer. So he, had to sort of learn he was kind of learning like this sort of so like what's what's supposed to happen is the designer um gives you the design they give you all the paperwork basically and then the mixer sets up their console to make it easier for them to mix Mm -hmm. so on digital boards you have like your inputs where all the sound goes in they all have their own faders um and then you have like a little section in the middle on most digital consoles where you can set different value like it's it's your mixing like they're called dcas usually um which means digitally controlled audio so like if you know i'm doing i mean like mama mia is a great example because it's a lot of two-hander songs Mm -hmm. it's a cast of 22 but a lot of the songs are just two people on stage Mm -hmm. i don't need everyone's mics to be open if they're not in the song i just need these two people and these people who are singing off stage and the band so i just Mm put the faders that i need you know i put the characters that i need in my little fader bank in front of me so um so i set all that up to say that this designer was used to mixing his own shows um and so what's supposed to happen is the the mixer sets up their own console well he set up my console for me 
so he marked up my script he was like here's where the the scene's gonna change like here's your snippet change here's your fader like whatever and i didn't have the experience to know that that wasn't really the way that was supposed to go so i was like sure fine but the but basically the first time i saw the script like marked up for mixing was during tech when i had to mix mm-hmm. it. um so like the journey let's remember the journey we've been on i think this designer already hates me i'm feeling terrible about myself i'm like fuck I'm gonna blow this I'm just I'm just like oh and I'm tired and I hate everything right so and I haven't seen this script yet I have no idea where everything's gonna be and we're going through and remixing and he's standing there and he's kind of giving me live feedback right he's giving me live notes um and we get to we're doing Rock of Ages we get to come on feel the noise which to me is the hardest song to mix because everyone's in it but they're not all in the same location so it's like every location in the show but also every actor in the show. So they're like, you just every like three minutes you have to change scenes. Mm-hmm. So there's a different set of mm-hmm. like faders in front of you. And I think it's like a nine minute sequence. And I like didn't breathe for nine and a half minutes because, and like, you don't even watch the show. You just like, you have your script and you literally just look at your script and you mix based on what's in the script. So yeah, you don't even want you like, you better hope the actors are going to be there. Basically. Right, like if right. you throw the fader and they're not there. That, or you know, somebody else's yeah yeah um so you better hope the actors are going to be there um so yeah i'm like i'm literally i have no idea what's going on he's talking in this year i'm like one hand on you know i got like i'm flipping pages on the thing i'm trying to keep up with it i think i dropped maybe it's a seven minute sequence but it's like a seven or nine minute sequence and i think i missed seven pickups in it mm-hmm. i mixed it like the first time we mixed the show i was like 90 percent accurate that's amazing so that's like, and that's when, and I was like, oh, okay, I can mix. Okay, yeah. I can still do this job. I'm not a total fucking failure. Like, and that's what I always have to come back to. Like, if I'm stressed out about engineering anything, I'm like, you know what? At the end of the day, I can mix. I can mm-hmm. mix. I'm really good at mixing. I mix by ear a lot. Um, some people will mix by um, like meters. Mm-hmm. They'll just kind of let the board mix. I don't want to say let the board mix for them, but they kind of mix visually and they'll kind of just, oh, this is too loud. This oh, is whatever. interesting. Yeah, I don't really understand that. Um, I just mix yeah, by yeah. ear. I just, I'm like, oh, this makes the most sense to me. So here we go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, that always, I always remember that. Like that one's the one that I keep around because I'm like, look, at the end of the day, you're going to blow all this stuff. You could blow mm-hmm. all of this stuff, but you're going to mix the fuck out of that show. That's all that matters, mm-hmm. you know? That's incredible. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> I love that story. And it is, and it like for people who have never seen a sound console before, like really, and have no idea, like it looks like a what you would see on a, a sci-fi spaceship, you know, in a way, like there's <laughs> yeah. knobs and dials and sliders and you j- like, sound was always the thing that never made any sense to me. I can hang, I can hang shit. I can plug shit in. You can tell me like where it needs to go, but asking me to mix or anything like I can, I can hit a cue button. That's yeah. it. Like mixing is an art in and of itself. And so, um, cause you, it, it to break it down, it, it, it's, you don't leave all of the actors mics on all the time because no. a lot of times they're not on stage. So like, you're not going to hear them having their chit chat in the green room, but you have to make sure they're on right before they come on. So you don't miss their first. It, it's such yeah. an art form and it uh, mad props to you. That's awesome. Well, and on Broadway, and this is not an expectation. I think a lot of people do this anyway, but the mm-hmm. on Broadway, they do what's called line mixing. Mm-hmm. So 
what I used to do and I've learned, I've trained myself to do this now, but what I used to do, like when I was a new mixer was I would just kind of like, I'd be like, okay, I've got this character coming in and this character coming in. So this one's speaking right now. So they're up. And then I'd kind of have, I'd like cheat the other ones in. Mm -hmm. So everybody who was in the scene would kind of be up a little bit. And then I would just sort of push, you know, um, and I think that's a thing that you do. That's a, that's an easy trick. Like when you're first learning a show or like when you are, are new to mixing, just everybody who's in the scene, just up a little bit and just push them when they need to be speaking. Right. But Broadway mixers do what's called line mixing, which is like, you are only up if you are speaking. Mm-hmm. You're only up if you speak. So like, so, you know, so literally like you have to like, I'm, I'm showing you, which is pointless on a podcast, but like, <laughs> Okay, do you, do you well, want us to describe we'll, it to we'll, them? We'll keep this part and, and put it in the yeah. Well, and I'm trying. I'm also trying to like because I can't mix like this. I have because you mix yeah. horizontally, not like this. But anyway, so I'm trying to like show it to you. It just looks like creepy hands, like just being, like, it's, like spider crabs. All right, it, it's people who have not yet subscribed to our Patreon. If you want to be able to see what Steph is doing, you got to throw some dollars our way, and we will give you exclusive video. Crazy spider hands, dancing phalanges. Um, <laughs> but okay so anyway so line mixing um <laughs> all of my friends are gonna listen to this and they're gonna be like you're a fucking disaster yeah Lindsay <laughs> jones is gonna text me and be like i i'm sorry i ever admitted you into this club um, <laughs> um so anyway so line mixing is basically like if you're on you're up and if you're not speaking you're down so and so that sounds a lot easier than it is because when you think about, you know, if there's a, if there's a show, like actually a back and forth of a, just a dialogue would be really easy. Mm-hmm. But if there's two characters who are like having a fight mm-hmm. and they're both kind of talking over each other, you're mixing, you're literally like, like you're just mixing like this. Like mm-hmm. you're just, you're back and forth, back and you know, um, yeah. If there's, or if there's, you know, five people who have to talk in a row. Yeah. Like you're, so yeah, when you're speaking, you're up and when you're not speaking, you're out and that, is a lot harder than it sounds like it is. Oh yeah, I remember the the eight one um, uh, when I did Cinderella um, in New York. Hated me, not really. He and I actually had a great relationship, but he anytime because I was the uh, PA that handled the script, and I always had to bring him a fresh page whenever a line was changed. Oh. And at one time, I brought it to him, and he was like, "Another one," and I was like, "I'm sorry." Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, "Just put it on my book." Yeah. <laughs> I've seen the. I actually know the um, the A one for um, one of the Hamiltons. The I think uh-huh. it's the. It's I think it's the. It doesn't matter. It's Hamilton, San Francisco. Nice. Um, and he's done a couple other things too. But he. So if actually, if you wanna, if you wanna, he's gonna hate me plugging this, but <laughs> too bad. Um, Adam Savage of MythBusters fame. Oh. Has a series of videos. It's this is also actually really cool because they're great videos. But he has a series of videos where he goes backstage at Hamilton oh, in San Francisco. Cool. And wow. he talks to all the different backstage departments. So he has one video where he just talks to the A1 That's and literally awesome. like, who's in the front of house? What do you do? Tell me about your job. And then he has one video where he just talks to the A2, um, who I don't know, but I've heard is wonderful. And, and so he gets to see her job and like sh- her job is like microphone maintenance and like building rigs and building backups and like, you know, and they get to see how everything's made. So he, they're, and they're cool. They're like 10 minute long videos. So they're really substantial. And, um, but anyway, yeah, his, um, his book for Hamilton. And I mean, right. When you're talking about residencies, you do so many shows you haven't memorized at a certain point. His book for Hamilton is, is Jeez. several, I mean, it's huge. It's yeah. It's, uh, what's what describe what that three what's, inches, maybe at least two and a half. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a binder. And I think he still uses it. Like he, you wow. know, yeah. we talked about, um, 
songs that were the hardest to mix and he said the hardest song he said the hardest the easiest song to mix was burn because it's mm-hmm. just um why am i talking this is i'm on this podcast it doesn't matter this is a fun story um it's <laughs> like he's not here why am i telling this story it's, anyway. it's still interesting everyone knows hamilton it's fine yeah. so he said the easiest song to mix is burn because it's just um what's her name eliza yeah he's like pippa sue no not eliza he said the hardest song to mix which i 100 believe is um the reynolds pamphlet oh gosh yeah because everybody's in it and it doesn't have even if you're like a music person like if you're a musician being a musician helps you be a mixer because Mm -hmm. you can kind of feel the way that it's supposed to go but yeah the reynolds pamphlet has like no real it's got a meter but it's hard to hear and it's like yeah and it's everybody's singing different yeah 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 it's crazy I've never mixed Hamilton. I that's it. (laughs) I would love to. Don't get me wrong. I just have no personal Hamilton. (laughs) That actually is a. It does kind of lead into. Is there um, a particular gig that you would really like to have, or like even if it's not long term, you know? Because again, you might be a a crone lady in your future. Um, But like, is there either a particular show you'd really like to either design or work uh, work on? Is there a particular company? or you know like what's an opportunity that you would really like to have i i really do think it would be fun to um well this a1 his name's kevin mccoy kevin has mm-hmm. offered he's like yeah if we're back up and running he's like come you know he's like anybody can come shadow me anytime i was like i would love to do that especially yeah. if you get to work on hamilton again like i just want to yeah. see that show being mixed yeah um, i got to uh i know somebody who is on the anastasia tour and so when we were in Colorado, they were Den- they were in Denver for like two weeks, which is mm-hmm. great when you're touring because you get to just like sleep actually mm-hmm. um, and have days off. <laughs> um, so they were in Denver for two weeks and she got me and two of my friends, like we got to shadow. That's awesome. Um, and, you know, so my friend Corey, who's a lighting designer and I were sitting at the front oh, of house and then Brendan went and shadowed the, the calling stage manager. Um, and so, yeah, I got to shadow, um, I cannot think of her name right now. I feel so bad, but I got to shadow the A1 for that, for a performance. And that was really fun. Uh, Cause it's just really fun to see. It's really validating to see that, like, even though I'm like young in my career and like very self-taught, it's validating to see that the things that I do are like, there's some things that are just, that's how the job is done, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it's also like really exciting to see how other people do the job mm-hmm. and like see, mm-hmm. you know, what, so that was cool. I, I, yeah, I would let, like, I just want to sit behind a console and watch somebody mix Hamilton. I just want to see how all the pieces go together. I think that would be fun. I like um, any, like, any shows that you can go, you can kind of push on, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I say push in terms of, like, volume, right? Mm. Like, rock musicals are really fun because you basically have to mix a concert with dialogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That I don't have a design wish list. I just sure. like designing. I like the challenge that I like the challenge that each show, you know, each show has a unique goal we're supposed to accomplish. Mm-hmm. So I like usually like whatever show I'm designing. Sometimes I end up liking shows I didn't think I was going to like. Yeah. You know, that's fun too. That's a, that's, that's a really fun, rewarding thing that happens when you're designing. Like when you, you know, you like, I, I took a show once I was like living in Seattle. So I'm getting paid nothing for the show basically. Um, and I, had somebody reach out to me and they were like hey we need a designer for the show read the script tell me what you think and I read it and I was like yeah I don't love this script but like you're not gonna love them all you know they're not all gonna be winners right but I was like oh it's kind of sci-fi I've never done that before I just I just thought I thought the design of it would be like a cool challenge right I took the show ended up really loving the director 
really really loving the director he's just a great guy um and getting to see the show like realizing how funny and weird it was and yeah. like, getting to see it all put together and I was like oh I actually really like this this show is actually kind of fun yeah. like, you know, that's fun that's always fun when that happens. I love that what have you been doing to keep yourself busy uh you know during the last year or so when theaters were shut down besides working some awesome awesome jobs besides <laughs> that you awesome love so much not awesome at all <laughs> Um, don't worry, they won't listen to this. Uh, <laughs> Burn it down! <laughs> I, I don't even care. Um, um, well, TSDCA has been really helpful in keeping me not going totally crazy. Um, so they do a couple of hangouts twice a week. Um, there's oh, awesome. one that's like early career and it's anybody can come to it, but it's specifically like, oh, like early career people come and then anybody else can come and tell other people about your life. Um and then there's usually one on Fridays that, and it's just, it's TSCCA members and it's, I've been to enough of them now that like, I've, there's like a regular group of us that go mm-hmm. to most of them and I've gotten to know people through it. And like, Jess Paz, Jessica Paz is in this group. She is, um, she just recently, I, this is my name drop now. She, um, won the Tony award for, um, Town sound design oh nice oh, dear Evan Hansen she would kill me for that but mm-hmm. she like she co-designed dear Evan Hansen with or she assisted maybe she says Nevin but she works with Nevin Steinberg a lot who I believe did the sound for Hamilton as well um and she worked with him on dear Evan Hansen she won uh she co-designed Town with him they won a Tony for that she's the first That's woman awesome. ever to win one um for sound Mm-hmm. so she's in that group and like she's become a person now that before I was like oh, my god it's and like now she's a person that she like I've like learned a ton about her and like mm-hmm. I'm like oh like it's you know it's so it's fun to like hang out with people and like we get to because we're all over the place you know we get to hear a lot about like what's going on in New York um a lot of some about what's going on in like LA and like touring like it's like everybody from all these different experiences is like coming in with all of their stuff which is really really fun and it, like sometimes we'll be on these hangouts and the New York people will be like well, what about this and what about that and then all the like Chicago like Midwest kids are like mm-hmm. I don't know <laughs> just kind of sitting there like glossy eyed like uh uh-huh, yeah. yeah oh yeah yeah it's I I I too hate it when the shop doesn't have what I want them to have, <laughs> you know how we all have yeah. sound shops available yep. to us. It's yep. really funny. Uh, I too hate it when I have to uh, pay my assistant out of my own pocket. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that meme. You guys are getting. You guys get assistance. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you guys are getting paid. Yeah. 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 Um. Let's let's talk a little bit about one of your favorite soapboxes, but but I, I think it is really interesting, um, you know, being a female in the sound world um, is very, is still kind of unique, I feel like, um, you know, it's really nice, I think, over the past even 10 years, uh, women have really kind of uh, broken into a lot of different areas that have very exclusively been men but um I think sound and probably um stage crew are like the two that are still mostly male dominated and I'm curious what that's like for you as a as a woman and I have I have been lucky in that I haven't had any like direct interactions of like Mm -hmm this person is definitely treating me differently because mm-hmm. I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. But the shitty thing about it is that I don't ever know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's always mm-hmm. that carry of like, am I being treated differently um, because of my gender? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
and like well like I you know I experienced something where I I was initially I was offered the design for a show at a certain pay rate um I found out the male lighting designer was being paid twice what I was being paid which is nigh unacceptable yeah shouldn't be unacceptable in everybody's book um found out the male lighting designer was being paid twice what I was being paid I ended up not being able to take that show because I had gotten another show that was Mm -hmm. offering me more money Mm-hmm. And then the male sound designer they hired to replace me was also getting twice what I was offered. Wow. What? And I don't know what the other, you know, I don't, that's one of those things where like, I can't say one way or the other, whether that was because I'm a female sound designer. Mm-hmm. Is it because the other designer negotiated and I didn't? Is it because, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. this theater turned over production managers. So the other designer got a different offer. I, you know, there's all kinds of reasons that like that could have been right but i don't the frustrating part is i like the optics of that are terrible yeah i mean truly terrible and i don't know if it's yeah you know i don't know what the reason is and it's really frustrating and it's really mm-hmm. you know that's that's frustrating and you know and it is there especially like i did a lot of exploring and I did a lot of I did a lot of work when I was living in Seattle and Seattle in particular um because it, you know Seattle it was a big still kind of still is but was for sure a big music um mm-hmm. hub like mm-hmm. a live music hub mm-hmm. and I met a lot of people who would you know oh I, I used to be a sound guy and I mm-hmm. my joke is you know no you never used to be a sound guy you either are or you aren't mm-hmm. like you, you used to be a sound guy because you used to do sound in the bar for your buddy's band mm-hmm. like, you know, we're not on the same level like, <laughs> Um, that being said, I've never done a bar band before. So like, I've never done any of that work. Um, right. It's probably a lot harder than it sounds like it is. Um, but yeah, so it's like, I, I, there definitely was some, I've experienced, like, I've definitely experienced like some kind of just condescension and sort of like, well then, you know, so then you're going to, you're going to plug this in. Got it. Thanks. You know? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I like it's, it, and it's, it, if nothing else, it's really frustrating because, um, you know, even in TSDCA, and this is something, this is actually one of the reasons TSDCA exists is that we know that there's a ton of inequities just in our industry that we're trying to work towards things that, yes. you know, we're trying to tackle that. Um, and even in TSDCA, like sometimes I will be on these hangouts, which are completely social things. And I'll look and it's like, literally me and Jess Paz, there's two women, there's mm-hmm. and 15 people on this call and there's two women, you know, mm-hmm. or it's really frustrating mm-hmm. to see like, you know, even in Chicago, like, these theaters and there's a lot of theaters in Chicago who really are they're like really trying to do work for like we don't we know that theaters a lot of cis white men and we want to combat that and we're trying to you know we're I got hired a lot when I first moved here because I'm a girl Mm -hmm, (laughs) you know mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I guess that is a side effect of like being a that is a side effect of being a female sound designer is I'm being cast in a way yeah there are people who are sort of prioritizing like I don't really care how good you are I just need you in here you know and Which I can't is get not that, as like, cool too but yeah yeah and you know and then I get in there and the work is good and then they're like oh, right. I work with you forever and it's great but like you know I need you in here and the other female sound designer we would like to hire is not available or you cost less money right so right. like one the numbers are really small and it's really stupid right it's also really frustrating to like you know you walk into a room and you're like I'm the only fucking woman in this department or like mm-hmm. you know I did a, one of the last shows that I did at Looking Glass was this really great show that was written by my friend, um, Jane Nicole Brooks, uh, who is a black woman. And it was a, 
show you know it was it's a show called her honor jane byrne and there's a lot of it's a very chicago show Mm -hmm. um jane byrne was i think one of the first female mayors if she i think she was the first female mayor of chicago okay um so there's a lot of things in it where like this show would really have benefited from a black female creative team um and that was attempted and the whitest department in the room was definitely the sound department. Like the whitest, mm-hmm. most male department in the room was the sound department. Mm-hmm. And that's really frustrating. You know, it's mm-hmm. really frustrating to feel like, yeah, we really want to diversify this industry. We want to diversify the, you know, like theater as a whole and the sound industry. And, and you know, and then the answer, like digging and digging, especially in Chicago and the answer coming up with, well, who do you know? Who mm-hmm. are you supposed to take that job? Who do you know who's a, who's a you know, sound designer, like a POC sound designer? Like, who do you know who's a female yeah. sound designer? And it's like, well, I know me. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's right. That's the answer. Like, who do you know who's a female sound designer? This one right here. I know. Yeah. Me. Yeah. You yeah. I mean? So it's, it's, uh, it's, and, and I had another sound designer say this to me recently because um, I was lamenting that, you know, I would absolutely go back to work for Looking Glass um, if they could hire me. I would mm-hmm. absolutely go back. I really liked working with them. Um, and there's a lot of ways I think they can improve and I'd like to be mm-hmm. part of that. But I was like, mm-hmm. it would be really frustrating to me to go back knowing that they've made this commitment to anti-racism and still see all the same people in the room. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was like, that would be so frustrating with me and I would want to leave. And and this actually male sound designer said to me, yeah, but if you left, then you wouldn't be in the room anymore. Mm-hmm. Then there would be no women in the room or there'd be no, mm-hmm. you know, like then you wouldn't be there. And so sometimes that's what that is, is like, you know, me mm-hmm. looking around going, I'm frustrated by this, but I can't leave this situation because then I will have perpetuated the problem. Right, right. Sometimes I have to be the problem. Right, right. <laughs> you know? So I think it's going to be an uphill battle, but you know, whatever. I like my job. So Yeah. <laughs> As long as you like your job, uh, that's, I have nothing to follow up with that question because I feel like the, the issue at hand is, is so pertinent to, you know, not only the arts industry, but just everywhere. Mm-hmm. And we actually just received an email from uh, somebody we reached out, we reached out to for their client for, um, for an interview. And they sent us uh, the opportunity to interview a uh, writer and director uh, who's part of, you know, the first female uh, African-American duo to, to make a film and write a film together and get it produced mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so seeing stuff like that is, is, is incredible. We just, we need more of it. More, and right. I would like to see more. Of it. I see way too many, you know, like upper crust white dudes sitting in, you know, like the producer's chair and I'm like, I don't think you really understand what you're trying to do here, but you know. Yeah. And there's all kinds of, you know, and it's also like, we need, it just, it's, we're slowly getting to this, but like, we can't treat, you know, I don't want, I hate, I don't want to say the word minorities, but we can't treat like marginalized people like monoliths. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Like, like right. I love, I'm a big Wonder Woman fan. I love Wonder Woman. I was like, I have to watch, I'm going to watch this second film. I don't care what the reviews say. Mm-hmm. I watched it on Christmas day. I don't, I, I enjoyed it, but like, I like, you know, it's directed by a woman. It was written by a woman. Like, and yeah. a lot of people really didn't like it. And then it was like, okay, well now I have to talk about how much I hate Wonder Woman. And it's like, okay, I'm sorry. Like, Zack Snyder's still making movies, you guys. Yes. <laughs> You're begging for the Zack Snyder director's cut of Justice League. Zack Snyder is still making movies. Quentin Tarantino is still making movies. Hot right. take. I don't think Quentin Tarantino is a great filmmaker. Like, Quentin Tarantino is still making movies. But Patty Jenkins does a bad movie one time about a female superhero, and y'all can't yeah. handle it. Yeah. You're like, oh my God, cancel women forever. They yeah. can never make movies again. Only white men. Like, you know what I mean? It's like that. It's like if you fail yeah. one time. Yeah. As a woman, and that's yeah. and that's the sort of game that's the sort of game of chicken that I think is being played um, a lot 
in theater is like mm-hmm. and I you know especially in Chicago where it's like kind of small like I don't want to say smaller but like there's a lot more theaters to play with <laughs> um there's a lot of storefronts there's a lot of you know there's a lot of um theaters that are literally in storefronts mm. and they're very small budget and they're small scale but they do a lot of really cool work you know um but I think that's the game of chicken that people are playing is like producers don't want to take the chance on an inexperienced designer, yep. even if they're a designer of color, they don't have the experience because they can't get hired and producers yeah. don't want to take the risk that the mm-hmm. work might not be what they're used to. Mm-hmm. And then if you fail one time, that's it. You know, you can't like, it, you know, it's so. Which is insane because this is all art. It's about being creative and taking those chances. You know, if we didn't take tan- chances, there are things that were made, you know, a hundred years ago, that wouldn't have been, you know, produced hey, otherwise. Yeah. If someone didn't say, you know what, fuck it. Let's, like, try it. Well, yeah. let's, let's see what happens. So, yeah. Oh my God. Oh, well, I, I mean, with that being said with, you know, things somewhat looking up virally, uh, <laughs> where. <laughs> That's a weird way to put it. Uh, <laughs> virally. Virally. <laughs> Um, not online (laughs) rates. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I just want to know, like in, in, you know, not a perfect world, but in your perceived trajectory, where do you see yourself in the next five years? Mm, Five years. Um, I haven't thought about it to be honest with you. I, I, which is good. I haven't done any partly because I don't know where I'm going to be in a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's so much easier to, I was thinking about it the other day and I realized like when I started at Looking Glass, I was like, okay, I think I'm going to be here for like three years. I'll be 30 in three years. And then I think it'll be time to look for something else. Like, we'll see how, you know, this is the time to move up in some direction. You know, maybe that's the time to start looking at grad school. Maybe that's the time to look at a move, like who knows? And, you know, and then this happened and it's like, well, that, yeah, that vague plan is no longer needed. Yep. Uh, yep. <laughs> So, um, I mean, the short answer is I would like to be working in my field in five years. That's yeah. the shortest answer I can give you, but I haven't, yeah. I, I, I haven't thought about career progression at all. I haven't thought about, you know, moving up. I just like, I just want to work honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's, I'm going to be like the problem child for everybody. Cause I'm going to take work at a, like, I'm going to take work at low rates just to have it. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to work for garbage because I just want to work. Like I mm-hmm. like they need, you know, like, mm-mm. I have to join, I'm gonna the, the, I'm just gonna have to join a union just so they can be stop working for less. Yeah. 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 They're gonna they're gonna working for free. I don't wanna say proposition, that's the wrong word, but they're gonna be like, hey, step step we just can't watch this anymore. Please yeah. just be it's just like a, it's the it's that like vaudeville like yeah. yeah. Just, like, pull me out. like, no, please just get in here. Stop, stop. You're embarrassing all of us. Just get in here. Stop driving everyone's rates down. They love <laughs> like it. I kind of like I have that kind of power. If I had that kind of power, I would do different things with it. Right. <laughs> um, well then maybe what's some uh what's a piece of advice that you would want to give somebody who's interested in in the sound world and maybe even girls who have never considered it before but um yeah what would you say to people um actually related with what what i say to a lot of young artists and related to what i just said is don't work for free um i i worked a did a design at louisiana state university a while back because my sound design professor went there um and she had me talk to a couple of her classes and I was, you know, this was a couple of years ago, so I wasn't as far along in my career then even as I am now. Um, but I, I firmly believe that like 
like don't work don't work just to work I know despite what I just said about myself like don't work just to work don't take every project just to have a project you can say no to things early in your career actually the earlier you say no the earlier you will train people that you won't do anything for any amount um and uh always read your contracts and always negotiate (laughs) um that's like my sort of general uh, arts career advice. If you absolutely must um, do these things, um, sound in particular, uh, especially if you're a young woman, you gotta really want to do it. Um, and I hate, like, I don't want to sound gloomy, but like, no, you gotta really want to do it because you have to be able to put your foot down and say, like, when you know, in the when you're being treated like you're a girl you have to be able to kind of be like all right bye bitch like we're not gonna we're not gonna do that today Mm-mm, that's not in my job description of you treating me like this you know so but i but i think that can also be solved by like know what you're worth know what you're willing to do know what you should be getting paid to do it and in the event that you are not getting paid that amount make it very clear that you are choosing not to be paid that amount you know um like make it very clear what the conditions of that are and I think that'll help like that. Absolutely. I think especially, especially when you're a woman or when you're, you know, or a non-binary person, or if you're, you know, if you're not a white dude and you're entering a career that you know is full of white dudes, like know what you're willing to do, know what you want to get paid or what you should be paid to do it and like make your rates competitive with them. Cause they're going to give you some shit and you don't need it. Like, I think one of, one of the biggest things I've learned about my job, believe it or not through the pandemic um, is that in because I know so many sound designers, I can comp- I sort of rank myself among sound designers to say, well, I don't, you know, I shouldn't be getting paid the same rate that this person is because I don't have their experience. When the reality is, in the sort of larger job world, the set of skills that I have is incredibly niche, and I should be getting paid for those niche skills. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't like if you're a tattoo artist, it doesn't matter. I don't know anything about how tattoo artists get paid, so I'm sorry, but like. <laughs> It doesn't matter, in my opinion, like it doesn't matter if you are a day one tattoo artist or a day 100 tattoo artist, you should get paid the same amount you're doing like you should get paid for the work that you do. And you should get paid for your expertise. Right. Right. If you yeah. if you are as successful on day one as somebody else is on day 100, and you're as good at your job, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. And like, if you, you know, because if you work for less on day one, mm-hmm. then somebody's going to try to get you to work for less on day 100. Now, if mm-hmm. you go in and you say, I don't work for less on day one, they're going to bristle. They're mm-hmm. not going to be happy about it. But yeah, the earlier you say no, the earlier you train people to pay you, pay you what you're worth, take you seriously mm-hmm. and respect your boundaries, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So there's that. I love it. <laughs> so much of that that needs to go on a shirt. Yeah. Oh, it'll be all over the shirt. It'll yeah. take about 20 <laughs> minutes to read the entire thing. It's, yeah, right. But yeah, no, no, you're worth that. Oh my God. Is there yeah. um is there anything uh you wanted to plug? Um, I can plug the other uh podcast that I'm working on. Yeah. Um, I, what? Yeah, I just got yeah, I just got um I have a friend who uh has this podcast that is we're he's we're trying to grow it so it's it's got some traction it's called i've been meaning to listen to that um it's a great podcast it's really fun it's it's a music listening podcast so um it's there are three hosts and they have usually have guests um sometimes they'll one of them will will fill in but usually there's guests and the guest brings an album 
and they all listen to the album and then they talk about the album and it's great. They're yeah, it's really, really fun. That's awesome. Yeah. And they are really, um, they actually had me as a guest right after I started. Um, and I brought them an album they did not like. Oh no! <laughs> but they, but they, they're really thoughtful in the way they talk about music. They're really, yeah. you know, they they listen. Even even you know even this album they didn't like. They were very thoughtful. Was it Shaggy? Did it. you bring them Shaggy? <laughs> it wasn't. Uh, no, I actually brought them um, from under the cork tree by Fall Out Boy, which like was a huge mistake because. Oh, no. um, I said mistake and I didn't even do it on, on purpose this time. Um, it was a huge mistake because that was like a really important album to me when I was like 12. Uh-huh. And, they were like, and then these 25 year olds are like, I don't like this. And I was like, well, maybe I don't like you. And they're like, I don't like you. <laughs> um, but they, but they were even in that, like, they were like, yeah, this wasn't my favorite thing in the world, but they were still super thoughtful and super, yeah. That's so anyway, awesome. that's a long way around. I, I work on the back end of that podcast and occasionally pop up on it. Um, so I've been meaning to listen to that. Like, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> um, we'll that's plug so that. cool. We're going to check that out for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fun one. It's real cute. <laughs> I love it. That's kind of my, and that's my big thing. All right. On right now. Thank you. Yeah. Well, listeners, this has been another awesome episode. Um, uh, if you haven't already for some bizarre reason, please like, and subscribe to us on whatever podcast. Po- po- I can never say this part podcast platform um uh we're on all almost all of them probably some that you haven't even ever heard of but they're there um uh, please rate and review us as well um we have lots of stickers we want to give away so if you um you know give us a review we'll send you a sticker um please also follow us on all our social media facebook twitter and instagram um at pwrp podcast is our handle for all three Tyler. Yes, I'm going to try and not make a Miss Snake uh, for this part. <laughs> <laughs> if you. Corey Sprinkles will love that. <laughs> if... I, I completely borrow that from Corey Sprinkles I and I say it. it all the time. Oh, it's so I good. It. I love it. Um, I'm definitely borrowing it. If you are someone who is trying to get into the arts industry, uh, and wants to sit down and talk or somebody who's been working in the industry for a while, we'd love to talk to you, hear your story and um, just have a, a quick chit chat. I've been telling everybody through numerous emails I've sent out. This is like having a digital cup of coffee with friends mm-hmm. you've never met. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'd love to chat with you. If you would like to send us an email, our email address is pwrp.pod at gmail.com. We are standing by for your message because we are both very underemployed. Yes, 100%. <laughs> Um, until next week thank you thank you Steph and if you want to join us for our awkward goodbye bye bye bye